Hey, have you ever read Charles Darwin's book on the origin of species? I haven't read the whole thing. That's where Darwin introduced his theory of evolution, right? Exactly. In the mid-1800s, Darwin showed how all life on Earth evolved thanks to natural selection. He didn't talk about human evolution in the book, but the implication was there for all to see. That humans had also evolved, and furthermore, shared a common ancestor with the great apes. From what I remember, that launched quite a scramble to find evidence for that connection. You're right. The evidence in question became known as the missing link and refers to a hypothetical transitional fossil between humans and the common ancestor with our closest relatives, the great apes. After Darwin published On the Origin of Species, the scientific community erupted into a massive search for this so-called missing link. But the truth is, Darwin never once used that term in his book. He didn't even believe that evolution worked that way. The term implies that evolution is a straight line, like that bumper sticker showing a fish climbing out of water and turning into a human. But Darwin's theory of evolution isn't that clean cut. It's an endless series of forking paths, like branches on a tree, growing and changing simultaneously. Well, most scientists didn't quite grasp that, at least not at first. They were all searching for evidence of one single species that connected humans to their ape ancestors. And in 1912, someone came forward with a skull that seemed to be exactly what they were looking for. Hmm, that sounds a little too good to be true. Well, as it turns out, that's because it was. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify podcast. Every Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals for free on Spotify. This is our first and only episode on the Piltdown Man, a fossil that appeared to be the missing link between humans and our ape ancestors. However, after decades at the center of evolutionary study, a group of scientists revealed the truth. The Piltdown Man fossils were a complete fake. In this episode, we'll hone in on three likely suspects responsible for pulling off one of the greatest scientific scams of all time. First, we'll consider the possibility that Sherlock Holmes author, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, created the Piltdown Man to embarrass the scientific community. Then, we'll investigate the two men who allegedly discovered the fossils, Finally, we'll examine whether the hoax was just a lone archaeologist's desperate attempt at getting into the history books. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. In 1908, a British lawyer named Charles Dawson was taking a walk through the isolated farmland near the village of Piltdown in Sussex when he came across two men digging on the side of the road. The men paused their work for a minute to chat with Dawson. They were digging up gravel to fill in some nearby roads. The 44-year-old Dawson ran a law office by day, but his real passion was fossil hunting. As a lifelong paleontologist, he'd amassed a huge private collection of rare fossils. Dawson even discovered a new species of dinosaur named Iguanodon dawsoni in his honor. He was also a member of the Sussex Archaeology Society and the Geology Society. Let me quickly clarify something. Paleontology is the study of plant and animal fossils. Archaeologists study the material remains of past human life and activities. The folks from Jurassic Park... Those are paleontologists. Indiana Jones, archaeologist. Dawson dabbled in both. He was fascinated by just about anything that came out of the ground. According to Dawson, he asked the two workers if they'd found anything interesting during their dig. They told him no, nothing but gravel. He told them to keep an eye out anyway. A few days later... Dawson wandered down the Piltdown Road to check back in with the men. This time, they told him they'd unearthed a strange object. One of the workers handed it to Dawson. It was reddish-brown and curved like the inside of a bowl. By some accounts, the men thought it was a coconut shell when they first found it. 
they had apparently smashed it into pieces before they realized Dawson might be interested. Turns out, he was. Dawson looked the object over. Suddenly, he realized what it was. A fossilized piece of skull. A human skull, or something close to it. Dawson helped the men dig around, searching for more bones, but they came up empty-handed. So at the end of the day, he gave up and took the lone fossil home to add to his collection. He didn't think much of it until a few years later in 1911, when he found himself on the Piltdown Road once again. It was autumn, and recent rainfall had exposed a new fossil jutting out of the pit. Dawson picked it up. It was another piece of skull, even larger than the first. Dawson quickly recruited a young paleontologist named Pierre Teilhard du Chardon to help him search the gravel pit. Together, the pair uncovered more extraordinary fossils, a piece of jawbone and a few molar teeth. They even found ancient teeth from an elephant and a hippopotamus, and a piece of elephant bone that a human ancestor supposedly carved into a bat-like tool. For Dawson, it was an incredible discovery. He knew that a sand mine worker in Germany had recently unearthed the fossilized remains of a primitive humanoid species that lived at least 200,000 years ago. That discovery sent shockwaves through the scientific community and seemed to point to a new common ancestor between humans and Neanderthals. But according to Dawson, his newfound fossils could be more than 500,000 years old. They were likely far older and thus more important than the discovery in Germany. On February 14, 1912, Dawson wrote a letter to Sir Arthur Smith Woodward at the British Museum's paleontology department. He told Woodward about what he'd found and said it seemed to be the evidence scientists had been looking for since Charles Darwin introduced his theory of evolution over a half century earlier. Dawson claimed he'd finally found the missing link. When he read Dawson's letter, Woodward raced to Piltdown to see the fossils for himself. He was amazed by what Dawson and his assistant had found and immediately made plans to share the discovery with the world. Later that year, Dawson and Woodward traveled to London to present the fossils to the city's geological society. They showed off the fragments of the upper skull, which appeared to leave space for a larger brain, like a human's. The jawbone, though, looked closer to an ape. London's geological society was stunned. The species was older and more ape-like than Neanderthals, who'd gone extinct around 40,000 years ago. It seemed Dawson had found the missing evolutionary link after all, and right around the corner in Sussex. Scottish anthropologist Arthur Keith praised Dawson's findings, writing, quote, that we should discover such a race as Piltdown, sooner or later, has been an article of faith in the anthropologist's creed ever since Darwin's time. Dawson and Woodward named their newly uncovered species Anthropus Dawsoni, after Dawson himself. But as newspapers around the world exploded with news about this incredible discovery, they started referring to it by slightly catchier nicknames. 
They called it the Dawn Man and the earliest Englishman, but the name that ultimately stuck was simply the Piltdown Man. Dawson continued to dig for fossils in and around the gravel pit. In 1915, he wrote to Woodward to let him know he'd found yet another Piltdown Man's skull just a few miles away in Sheffield Park. But Dawson didn't get the chance to present his new findings. That's because months later, the 52-year-old died suddenly from a case of sepsis. Nevertheless, it seemed he'd already solidified himself as one of the greatest British scientists in history. Dawson's discovery wasn't just a great moment for science. It was a great moment for his country, too. The Piltdown Man proved, once and for all, that England was the official birthplace of humanity. That was the legacy Charles Dawson left behind. But it was a legacy built entirely on lies. Coming up, the Piltdown Man is exposed as a massive fraud, but no one can tell who is responsible. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. No matter what you're looking for in a non-alcoholic beer, there's only one name that has it all. Athletic Brewing Co. Full flavor? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Award-winning styles you can get online, at the bar, or the grocery store? It's athletic. In fact, when it comes to amazing non-alcoholic beer, there's no question. It's athletic. Ask for it and find out. Go to askforathletic.com to find your closest retailer today. Near beer. Now back to the story. In 1912, Charles Dawson claimed he had discovered a new prehistoric species in Piltdown, England, sending shockwaves throughout the scientific community. The fossilized skull of the so-called Piltdown Man had a cranium large enough to hold a human-sized brain. The jawbone was ape-like. The fossil appeared to be humanity's missing link, evidence that Homo sapiens shared an ancestor with apes. But even from the beginning, a few scientists suspected that something about the Piltdown Man was off. In 1913, anatomy expert William King Gregory traveled from the American Museum of Natural History to inspect the fossils. To him, the findings didn't seem hundreds of thousands of years old, like Dawson claimed. He said that the bones may have been artificially fossilized and planted in the gravel bed to fool the scientists. An expert from Yale University suggested that the Piltdown Man's skull was actually made up of bones from different animals. A few others agreed. One expert even theorized that the jawbone belonged to a chimpanzee. But these few dissenting opinions were drowned out by the sea of voices from all around the world praising this historic finding. 
British scientists seem particularly eager to embrace the Piltdown Man. Not only was it evidence of a missing link, it suggested that mankind was born right there in England, and they were quick to dismiss anything that might contradict that idea. Take Australian paleontologist Raymond Dart's discovery. While living in South Africa in 1924, he was given the remains of a human-like skull that had been found in a nearby quarry. Like the Piltdown Man, the skull came from a now-extinct species that seemed part human, part ape. Dart named it Australopithecus africanus and theorized that the species was the actual missing link everyone had been looking for. But the scientific establishment was skeptical and dismissive because Dart's findings didn't line up with the Piltdown Man. To them, the missing link had already been found by Dawson in England. The Piltdown Man remained at the center of the study of human evolution for 40 years. It became a key reference point for anyone researching evolutionary biology and was studied and cited in multiple academic papers over the next few decades. Until one day, two men struck up a conversation that inadvertently exposed the Piltdown Man as a massive hoax. One evening in 1953, an Oxford professor named Joseph Weiner sat down for dinner in London with a colleague from the British Museum. The man, Kenneth Oakley, was a geologist. Oakley explained to Weiner that he'd recently invented a way to date fossils by testing their levels of fluorine. The experiment was supposed to be highly accurate, but it seemed like Oakley had a few more bugs left to work out. Because, according to him, he'd tested the Piltdown fossils back in the late 40s, and the results didn't make any sense. The fossils were supposed to be half a million years old, but his results implied they were around 50,000 years old. Maybe even less. Clearly a mistake. Wiener and Oakley eventually finished their dinner and went their separate ways. But... As Wiener lay in bed, he realized he couldn't sleep. His thoughts kept going back to the Piltdown Man. Wiener tossed and turned late into the night until finally his mind landed on one conclusion. Something about the Piltdown Man was not right, and he was going to get to the bottom of it. Wiener called up Oakley and asked the geologist to re-examine the Piltdown fossils. In doing so, Oakley discovered that Wiener's suspicions were right. There was something wrong with the Piltdown Man. The teeth didn't actually fit the jawbone. They had been sanded down with a steel file and forced in place. It didn't take Wiener and Oakley long to uncover the rest of the truth. Another round of Oakley's testing revealed that every single one of the so-called fossils was fake. Many had been treated with chemicals to look older than they were. The Piltdown Man's jawbone was from an orangutan, and the teeth had been glued in place with dental putty. Some of the pieces weren't even fossils at all. They were old bones that someone had painted brown to look like fossils. Far worse, Oakley eventually discovered that the Piltdown bones weren't even 50,000 years old like he originally thought. 
they were only a few hundred. In 1955, Wiener published a book about their findings called The Piltdown Forgery. In it, he laid out the indisputable case against the Piltdown man. He proved that it was a carefully constructed ruse that managed to fool nearly every one of the world's smartest thinkers for decades. The London Star newspaper dubbed it the biggest scientific hoax of the century. It was a shameful and embarrassing stain on the scientific community, especially after they had used the Piltdown Man to discredit real findings like Dart's Australopithecus fossils. As anthropologist Ernest A. Hooten wrote in The American Anthropologist, quote, Already the press is flooded with accusations by anti-evolutionists that all of the other evidence of man's origin from an ape-like ancestry has been deliberately faked by unscrupulous scientists. The fact that the Piltdown fraud is possibly and even probably unique will be very difficult for the public to accept. The scientific world was left scrambling for answers. Even worse, no one knew who was responsible Both Charles Dawson and Sir Arthur Smith Woodward had died by the time the truth emerged. They seemed like easy targets for people looking to place the blame. But Hooten wasn't so sure. He wrote, quote, I reject the thought that Sir Arthur Smith Woodward could have had anything to do with the perpetration of this alleged fraud. Nor would I have believed it of Dawson, whom I never knew. Since the Piltdown Man was discovered, Experts had questioned its authenticity, but they were just suspicions and rumors. This was the first time someone had definitively shown that the findings were fake, and scientists worldwide were forced to finally accept the hoax for what it was. There was still one nagging question left, namely, who created the Piltdown Man and why? Decades passed with no clear answer, But in 1997, a historian at the American Museum of Natural History named Richard Milner came forward with a theory. According to Milner, the Piltdown Man may have been orchestrated by one of the greatest mystery writers of all time. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Sherlock Holmes creator Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was responsible for the massive hoax. When Charles Dawson discovered the Piltdown Man, Conan Doyle lived less than 10 miles away. He played golf near the Piltdown gravel pit and had plenty of opportunities to plant the fake fossils for Dawson. In an interview with PBS, Milner explained that Conan Doyle was a former doctor and amateur fossil hunter. He would have had access to whatever he needed to build his phony skull. But why would a famous author want to play such a massive prank on Charles Dawson and the scientific community? Well, Conan Doyle may have created one of the most logical and rational characters in all of literature, but the author's own beliefs leaned more toward the supernatural. Conan Doyle was fascinated by the -the turn-of-the-century spiritualism movement. He attended seances with channelers and firmly believed in the existence of fairies and that his friend, Harry Houdini, was psychic. 
According to Milner, fed up with scientists who laughed off his spiritual beliefs, it's possible the Sherlock mastermind concocted a scheme to get back at them. Conan Doyle knew Dawson from around town, so he planted some phony fossils right under the man's nose. Milner suspected that the author hid a secret code admitting to the scheme in his 1912 novel, The Lost World. He claimed it was an 18-character cryptogram, which is a basic substitution code where each symbol represents a letter in the alphabet. Conan Doyle used similar codes in Sherlock Holmes stories, but Milner was never able to break the Lost World's specific cryptogram, so his theory that it referred to the Piltdown Man wasn't much more than a guess. Richard Milner also pointed to one line in the book where Conan Doyle seemed to be speaking right to the reader. It was, if you are clever and you know your business, you can fake a bone as easily as you can a photograph. I have to say, Milner's evidence feels pretty thin to me. Arthur Conan Doyle was indeed a devoted spiritualist, but that doesn't mean he would have taken it upon himself to discredit scientists. I know what you mean. Besides, how would he have even known that Dawson would be walking by the gravel pit the exact day the workers first found the Piltdown fossil? I just don't think it adds up. Admittedly, the line in his book about forging bones does seem suspicious. But until someone breaks the alleged secret code left inside his book as a confession, I agree with you. But what if Charles Dawson wasn't an unwitting victim tricked by Conan Doyle? What if he was in on the hoax from the very beginning? Coming up, did Charles Dawson help fabricate his greatest discovery? Listen closely. As a master painter carefully brushes Benjamin Moore Regal Select down the seam of the wall. It's like poetry in motion. Benjamin Moore, see the love. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Now, back to the story. In the early 1900s, Charles Dawson recruited Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, a young paleontology student. Teilhard helped Dawson dig for fossils near the English village of Piltdown, the pair found remnants of teeth and bones from elephants and hippos, along with some simple stone tools. But their most important find by far was a human cranium and ape-like jawbone that Dawson claimed was evidence of a brand new species. This ancient human ancestor became known as the Piltdown Man. It took 40 years before a team of British scientists uncovered the truth. The skull and jaw fossils came from different animals, not a single new species, and they weren't ancient either. The fossils were only a few hundred years old. 
Some of them weren't even fossils at all. They were bones treated with chemicals and painted brown to look like fossils. The Piltdown Man was a fake. But one thing remained a mystery. Was Charles Dawson in on the scam? That question leads us to conspiracy theory number two, that Dawson and his young assistant, Tayar, worked together to execute the carefully constructed fraud. In a 1980 issue of the American Museum of Natural History's magazine, paleontologist Stephen Jay Gould claimed that the Piltdown Man hoax may have been too big for one man to carry out alone. Gould believed that Tayar helped Dawson pull off the lie. So who exactly was Tayar? And did he have any motives for joining in on the supposed hoax? By the time he died in 1955, Pierre Teilhard du Chardin had cemented himself as a philosopher and one of France's brilliant minds. Both an ordained Jesuit priest and a scientist, he was known for blending Christian teachings and philosophy with science. Towards the end of his life, Teilhard argued that evolution was an inherently spiritual concept, a way to bring humanity closer to God. He claimed humans are constantly improving and refining from generation to generation, building towards a perfectly evolved form he called the Omega Point, which would supposedly invite the second coming of Jesus. His radical theories made him enemies in both the scientific community and the Catholic Church, though neither side could question his devotion to science or spirituality. But back when he started working with Charles Dawson on The Piltdown Man, Tayar was just a 31-year-old paleontology student, still trying to find his place in life. Maybe finding the missing link would offer him the foundations necessary to promote his own idea that evolution and the Christian faith could coexist harmoniously. But it had been half a century since Darwin's On the Origin of Species sparked the idea of a so-called missing link, and that link still hadn't been found. So maybe the young paleontologist was compelled to help create the evidence himself. Dr. Gould said that two pieces of circumstantial evidence pointed at Tayar. The first came from Tayar himself. In the last years of his life, Tayar wrote a series of letters to Kenneth Oakley, one of the scientists who uncovered the fraud. In these letters, Tayar allegedly made some telling mistakes when recounting the Piltdown Man dig. He confused important dates, mixing up the years about when he worked with Dawson and when the pair found the supposed fossils. Dr. Gould didn't know if Tayar was purposefully changing details to throw Oakley off the trail, or Tayar simply couldn't keep his lies straight after so many decades had gone by. Either way, Dr. Gould found it extremely suspicious that Tayar would mix up so many key facts from an event that defined so much of his early life. Gould's second piece of evidence was the elephant and hippopotamus fossils that Dawson and Tayar claimed to find alongside the Piltdown Man. After the hoax was revealed, scientists discovered that the remains actually came from the Mediterranean Sea and Northern Africa. As it turned out, 
Tayar had spent time digging for fossils in both Malta and Tunisia, just a few years before the Piltdown discovery. He could have easily planted the evidence in the gravel pit. The case against Tayar is more compelling than Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but it's still circumstantial. Tayar was an old man by the time he was writing to Oakley. It seems reasonable that he confused some specific dates from a paleontology dig that took place decades earlier. I don't think that's exactly proof that he was lying to cover his back. If that were the only evidence, I would agree with you, but how do you explain the elephant and hippo fossils? Remember, this was the early 1900s. Traveling between England and Northern Africa wasn't the quick and easy trip it might be today. How many other people in Piltdown had also visited Malta and Tunisia? If he didn't bring the elephant and hippo fossils to England, how else did they wind up in the gravel pit? I think it's possible. I don't know. Tayar was a deeply religious man. His scientific career was tied to his spiritual practice. He just doesn't strike me as someone who would cut corners and invent the evidence he needed for his own research. I think he was young, naive, and got tricked by someone he trusted, like his boss, Charles Dawson. Well, that leads us to our third and final conspiracy theory that Dawson managed to pull off the entire Piltdown hoax on his own and died before the truth could ever be revealed. In the 2010s, an anthropologist named Isabel de Groot and a team of over a dozen other scientists hatched a plan. They were going to finally solve the mystery of the Piltdown Man after more than a century. There had been a huge amount of scientific advancements since Joseph Weiner and Kenneth Oakley first exposed the fraud back in the 1950s. De Groot and her team put the Piltdown fossils through a series of cutting-edge tests, from X-rays to CT scans to DNA analysis, to examine the fossils like never before. In 2016, the group of scientists published a paper in the Royal Society Open Science Journal claiming that they'd found the likely mastermind behind the Piltdown hoax. First, DNA tests prove the Piltdown jawbone and one molar tooth originally came from an orangutan. The upper pieces of the Piltdown man's skull, on the other hand, seem to be from multiple humans who died as recently as the Middle Ages. Someone, likely Dawson, purposefully modified the various bones and fossils so they appeared to fit together. The CT scans revealed that a few of the hollow bones and teeth had been secretly filled with gravel to add weight, then plugged shut. Someone who was used to handling fossils like Dawson would have known that the fakes needed to feel heavy if they were going to seem like legitimate fossils. And when they studied this gravel, it seemed to come from the same pit where Dawson supposedly made his discovery. Ultimately, all the evidence that de Groot and her fellow researchers had uncovered seemed to point toward one man. In their paper, they wrote, The consistency in the MO observed in the specimens are indicative of a single forger. This was most likely Charles Dawson. 
Dawson was known to have an extensive fossil collection, so he would have had access to everything he needed to pull off his con. And once he started, he couldn't stop. After Dawson presented the Piltdown Man to London's Geological Society in 1912, the scientists began to excitedly speculate about other fossils they'd like to find. The men launched into a heated discussion over what the Piltdown Man's canine tooth might look like. De Groot told the BBC that Charles Dawson sat and listened to the conversation intently before heading back to Piltdown. A few months later, Dawson returned to the Geological Society with a fossilized tooth. It looked exactly like the scientists thought it would, because it was tailor-made to their specifications. If you think about it, every thread of the Piltdown hoax leads back to Dawson. He discovered the first fossil and was always there when a new one was found. No one ever uncovered a piece of the Piltdown Man without Charles Dawson. And once he died in 1916, the fraud seemed to end. According to DeGroote's team, Dawson had started forging fossils and fake archaeological discoveries long before the Piltdown Man. In 1891, Dawson supposedly discovered the fossil of a new species of mammal. Just like with the Piltdown Man, no other evidence of the species was ever found by anyone other than Dawson himself. It was likely the beginning of his fossil forging career. And there were more examples, lots of them. An iron statue Dawson discovered that supposedly dated back to the Roman Empire? Fake. The ancient tiles he found that were supposedly stamped with the name of Roman Emperor Honorius? Also fake. The more de Groot's team looked into Dawson's career as an archaeologist and paleontologist, the more it began to crumble. According to online media outlet The Conversation, there are at least 38 different forgeries that Dawson successfully passed off as real before the Piltdown Man. But none of these fake discoveries had turned Dawson into the star he hoped to be. In a letter from the early 1900s, Dawson wrote that he was holding out hope for the one big discovery that would make his career. But he just couldn't find it. A few months later, his younger brother was knighted by the British monarchy, likely causing Dawson to feel even more inadequate. According to de Groot and her researchers, this probably pushed him to create a hoax so incredible the scientific community would have no choice but to respect him. And the missing link between humans and apes fits that bill in terms of importance. Just like that, the Piltdown Man was born. And it worked. The Piltdown Man cemented Dawson's place in the history of science. For better or for worse. Looking at all the evidence and theories, I think that Dawson was the man behind the Piltdown hoax. By the early 1900s, he was in his 40s, trying and failing to be anything more than an amateur paleontologist. He may not have known just how widely his con would spread, but once it did, he had no choice but to stick to his story. I have to agree with you. Of all the suspects, Charles Dawson is the most likely. He had the motive, the means, and the opportunity. 
But since Dawson died in 1916 without leaving behind a confession or any hard evidence, there will always be a shred of doubt about whether he did it. And if he did, whether he worked alongside any partners in crime. Regardless, the Piltdown Man's repercussions can't be placed on any one person. Someone created the hoax, but preeminent scientists around the world ignored the evidence and accepted it as the truth. Ernest A. Hooten was right when he wrote in The American Anthropologist that the hoax eroded the public's trust in the scientific community as a whole. Well, that's one way to look at it. But I think Hooten is wrong. Science may have failed to spot the Piltdown Man fraud at first, but science is also the reason we know about the hoax at all. You're right. Evolution isn't a straight line with one single missing link, and neither is scientific progress. It can make wrong turns and be led astray. But ultimately, over time, it will lead us to the truth. That's the legacy of the Piltdown Man. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify podcasts for free on Spotify. For more information on Charles Dawson and the Piltdown Man, among the many sources we used, we found the Piltdown Man hoax case closed by Miles Russell, particularly helpful to our research. We're here with a new episode every Wednesday. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify podcast. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by River Donahay, edited by Wendelin Sabroso and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Brian Petrus, produced by Joshua Kern, with sound design by Anthony Valsic. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.